0: Hi, I'm Susan Moore, Community Engagement Manager with IIBA.
1: And I'm Scott Bennett, Manager of Business Analysis with the International Institute of Business Analysis.
0: And this is Business Analysis Live.
1: We have a topic today that I think will be useful for a lot of people. This is what is requirements traceability? Something that Susan and I were talking about and thought, hey, let's share it with the community. And today we're going to ask you to ask your questions in the chat and we're going to get them today live. So Susan, what are your thoughts on this topic?
0: So requirements traceability might be (laughs) one of my most favorite geek out kind of business analysis (laughs) topics. And I know you and I talked a little bit about our introduction to the importance of requirements traceability. Uh, So I'm just gonna tell my story. Um, So I've done a lot of work over the years with platform products, commercial off the shelf products. And what I learned very early because we didn't do this correctly is we didn't really do a good job of tracing requirements from the business through implementation into configuration and onto test cases. And so um, over time, I learned good ways to set that up. And I also learned that it's really important to start thinking about requirements traceability when you're doing your business analysis planning, because uh, you, wanna, you wanna plan for that as part of your artifacts so that you, um, so that you capture key information. And we'll talk about, I'll, I'll geek out a little bit more on some of that key information, but, um, but that's, you know, that's why I think it is, is so important, particularly for those kinds of projects.
1: Right, and for those of you who have never heard of this term traceability, what this is, is essentially you're taking requirements that have been written, and they've got unique identifiers, and you're using your requirement ID to get down to the solution. So every solution has to respond to a requirement, and you can take that further by going further down the chain. You've got a solution requirement or a a solution response that then has um, acceptance criteria or or QA testing uh, scenarios, That way you can make sure that you've got everything covered from a requirements perspective all the way down. It also goes further up the chain. You should start with high level requirements and every requirement should relate to those to make sure you stay within scope. So traceability can be used in a few different ways. Um, And I've got a a story that I'll share with you around why traceability became important to me and and how I first learned about it. Um, So Susan, as you know, um, I'm CBAP certified. And my certification I studied for back in 2010 is when I got it. I was working on a big project. I had five BAs I was leading and we were touching a hundred different IT systems. So you can imagine the magnitude of this change. Um, As I was studying through the BABOK, I read about this concept of traceability and how it's a great way to control and make sure you're delivering what you promised. So I worked with my five BAs. We had a, a coding system that we used for every requirement, traced those down to every one of those 100 systems and the solutions they provided, and then the test scenarios to make sure everything rolled up. Um, ultimately, it was a successful project, but you know, I, I'd had 10 years of experience as a BA, never been exposed to it, but it came to me just at the right time to be able to manage something so big.
0: You know, I think that's interesting because I know we've had questions in our LinkedIn Live about Should I should I use all of these techniques and tasks in every project that I do? And I think your story exemplifies. No, actually, you might not have used some of these techniques yet. Also, it tells the story about, you know, getting ready for certifications isn't just about the end goal, but you actually learn a lot (laughs) when you're going through these certifications. You know, in in the story that I told about why requirements was traceability, uh, traceability was important for us, you know, ultimately on every project I've ever been on, especially big projects, somebody always asks the question, are we done yet, especially if you work in agile environments, because the idea is that maybe I can do enough to satisfy the initial customer need before I just go too far. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think requirements traceability uh, can answer the question, are we done? Are we done enough? Because it will show you um, where you've traced everything and you can start to you know, determine doneness. Is it done enough? Uh, other than that, you're just guessing
1: <laughs> if right. you
0: don't have something.
1: Right. It, uh, I'll be dating myself with this uh, uh, phrase, but it's like in the Smurfs: "Are we there yet, Papa Smurf?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks well, for taking thank us I back. <laughs> <laughs> That's—I I don't think I've used Smurf analogies in business analysis. You've—you've you've opened a whole new—a whole new door. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm. Um, so the other thing that I think requirements traceability can do, in addition to showing relationships, and I'm glad that you described it, is it, it not just goes forward from a requirement to a test case, but it goes backwards. And you can work that traceability up and down the hierarchy to make sure that things are connected. If you build that, that traceability artifact correctly, you can also add attributes and that that enable you to do some reporting on the status of your requirements, the quality of your requirements. You can use it in peer reviews and things like that. And that's where having a plan for what you're going to track is really important because you've got to set that up early uh, in order to be able to use it that way. And you've got to know what's important, what kind of reporting do you want to do on requirements?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and for those people that have a bit more of the project management mindset, um, thinking about what's in scope and what's out of scope. When you're sitting in front of stakeholders and you're listing requirements, it can be really easy to go off the path in terms of where those requirements are going. But the idea, if you work with your senior stakeholders to understand the high level requirements and understand every requirement has to trace to that, once you're done having those interviews you're putting your documentation together you look at those analyze those you can figure out maybe of the 50 items you gathered there might have been five that don't trace back to the high level requirement and that's a flag for you that you you could be encountering scope creep at a very early stage in a project um, so i also found that useful as a technique um, when you're working on those larger projects now I, I have most of my experience in waterfall projects big organizational projects But in terms of Agile, um, in the space where you're working on small deliverables, delivering value faster, um, Susan, you've had more experience in this space. How does traceability work there?
0: Uh, Not shockingly, it works exactly the same. Now, the components of a traceability matrix might look a little bit different. So what I've seen is tracing a user story to, a solution requirement to some acceptance criteria to a test case. So you know, instead of just looking like a you know business requirement to a solution requirement to a that that, that you're just swapping in and out um, some of those agile components. Um, and I've I've used a couple of really good um, templates for that over the years. But it's it's really the same. And you know, on that note, let me let me just put something out there because I I think sometimes business analysis professionals think when they they work in agile spaces that they've got to throw away a lot of this other stuff that we do. But to me, analysis and requirements management in those things are a little bit outside of the agile framework. I mean, agile is really about the software development. So, the activities that we're doing as business analysis professionals stand on their own. They are still good practices, regardless of if you're Scrum or Safe or Disciplined Agile or even Kanban or some of these other kinds of uh, ways of working. Um, so, yeah. And don't let people tell you that you don't need a traceability matrix because you're agile. Um, in fact, I think it's even more critical because you are breaking things down into smaller chunks. And sometimes it can be hard to see the whole when you've got so many smaller things being delivered in shorter intervals. So it's it's really important there. Okay.
1: Well, we've got our first question here and keep the questions coming. That's why we're here today. Um, at what stage in a project do you do requirements traceability? So I I think you alluded to this a little bit, Susan, about you want to do it early. You want to make this part of your plan, right?
0: That's right. I think have a plan for it when you're putting your business analysis plan together. So as you're asking yourself the question, how am I going to go about getting those requirements and be thinking about, How am I gonna make sure that I'm gonna put those things together? Maybe you've already got a template that you've used. Maybe you've already got a repository where this stuff is is available. So, you know, back back in the day, we used to use HP Quality Center where I could connect these things just as part of the tool. Um, But you wanna understand the why of what it is that you're trying to track. Then what happens is, as you are collecting and analyzing um, those requirements, you're putting them into a format so that hopefully um, you're not doing a lot of extra work to manage that, um, to manage those requirements. You really don't wanna create an artifact that you're gonna throw away. So if you can blend uh, the requirements documentation in with the traceability, you're, uh, you're good. So you're gonna think about it early and then you're gonna think about it uh, as you're going basically.
1: Yeah, and I'm a fan of analogies. So let me put this into an analogy that people might be able to relate to it a little bit. If you think about you order something um, online and you've got 15 different items that you order in the order. So that order, let's call it your requirements. Well, that box arrives at your home, a great big box. You open the box and you unpack. And did everything get delivered? So you're going to look through, these are the 15 things I ordered, my requirements. These are all the things that got delivered. Oh, I'm missing one thing. I only got 14 items. So the traceability is, is an analogy like that, that you can go from your order to what was delivered and make sure you've delivered absolutely everything.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, and then, you know, there's parts of that traceability matrix that may not necessarily be yours to update. So we talked about tracing to test cases or tracing to acceptance criteria. You do want to be part of flowing those things together. But I think um, if you collaborate with the rest of the team, you can have people contribute contributing those relationships to that, and then making sure that their information is updated. You want to get those test case statuses in there so that you can see all the way up the line, okay, my requirements were traced. They all had owners. They, you know, they, they, I delivered them. Okay, did we, did we have a test case that tested them? Did we complete the test case? Check. I have delivered that thing from soup to nuts, as they say. Yeah, so that's a that's a really great question, because it's a once you start it, you got to commit to going all the way through. So (laughs) Let's see. Oh, we've got another question. Does the traceability matrix have standard fields to follow? Isn't it customizable? That's that's a great question and um, something that that I tend to think a lot about hey, by the way, you know what, Scott, when we were talking about this before we got on, we said, you know, sometimes there are people with a particular detail orientation that might be the best person to help you with this requirement management stuff, because it really does take attention to detail.
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And and if you're one of those people that lose attention when you're dealing with uh, those fine details, um, there's probably someone on your team that's really good at it. So a mix of personality types is definitely a benefit in the team. Um, so yeah, definitely yeah. harness the people that enjoy working in that level of detail, because they're the ones that are going to do the best at, at managing that.
0: But yes, it, it's a great point. You're going to make somebody really happy that you've asked them to dig into detail like that. But let's answer this question here. So are there standard fields? Um, you know, there's some basics, right? So I want to make sure that I've got the the requirement. I think every requirement having a unique ID is is an important part of that. Um, But where you go from there, and I'm sure there's a couple of other fields. Now, again, I tend to think of those traceability matrices as a series of um, attributes. So I think about things like what's the status of that requirement, Um, who's the owner of that requirement. And there's probably a couple of other things. And sometimes what, what I have done is I'm working on my business analysis plan. I may, I may start from a, a small template and then build it out based on how we want to track and maintain those requirements. But there probably are uh, just a few key ones. And then isn't it customizable? Absolutely. It is totally customizable. So you know I mentioned at one point we used a tool, HP Quality Center, which I think is ALM these days. You can use Excel, but I've also used no code platforms like SharePoint um, in order to do that. And that's totally customizable. So it just depends on each project, what you want to get out of it. What, what do you think on about that?
1: So my traceability has never been about a specific document that's for traceability. Um, so when I write requirements, the template that I use always has an identifier for every requirement. So for me, my, my traceability requires on the code for the requirement. So I've got, you know, what is the requirement? Who was the contributor to the requirement? So I can go back and clarify if I need to. Um, and then a few more attributes about how complete it is um, and how important it is. So for me, it's, it's the requirements and it's just an extra column of the unique identifiers. Um, going from there down to what the solutions might be, I might throw that into Excel um, and then start to manage it that way. But I think an, another value that I just realized as we were talking through this, uh, about around this is, let's say you're working on a large waterfall project, you're 50% way through the project in terms of delivering solutions. What if there's a problem that needs to be corrected? Or what if there's a change control that comes in? If you've got your requirements under change control, then you know that, hey, these three requirement codes need to change, you immediately know what that impacts downstream, because you've got that traceability that you can say, oh, from a solution perspective, this needs to change. What's that mean for the testing? Um, So that traceability uh, also helps on that front.
0: It does. And that's, you know, that I think is another important part, maybe one of those unspoken benefits of traceability is that once you've got that together and you're keeping it updated, it does kind of take on a life of its own. And let me tell you, you will have very happy project managers and IT managers um, because once they know that there is a source for where they can go to see how will this change impact you know, our solution, our business requirements, and they know that they can go to that place, again, you're the hero. You're going to be the hero, B.A., because you put this into place. <laughs> so... So there you go. Gosh, we're getting some more questions. Here we go. What, is the, idea- <laughs> what is the ideal way of updating requirements traceability uh, when cha- when a change in requirements is identified at a later stage? And I think we just touched on that. Um, so it can be, one, the source of identifying where and what is changing. Two, it can be used, you know, if you've got a more formal change control board or however you're managing change on a project, you can, um, it can be the source of that information. Um, You can start to estimate based on that. Your project manager will be able then to say, okay, well, we are here with that requirement. Um, So, I know that this needs to change, we'll need to change test cases, we'll need to change, you know, um, and so it gives inputs on how to estimate it so you know the cost of that change. Um, And then once you have decided you're gonna do that change, then you as a business analyst have the information that you need and the sign off that you need to go back, modify those requirements, and you, you know exactly where to make those. It can make change a lot easier.
1: Yeah, and I'll pick it up from there, Susan, from a, a how-to type of perspective, um, when I manage requirements documents and I get that change that's been accepted, I update the requirement. And in in the early stages, there's a table that has what what's the version and what's changed. Mm-hmm. I also track changes within it. So once I've created a new version, um, what I do then is communicate that out to all the people that are working on the project, saying, here's the new version these are the changes that have been made. And then we've got the requirements IDs, please update and and work with us in a a corresponding way. So it's a good way to um, A, have version control, but B, communicate that out. Because if we do our jobs where we're just updating our document, but we're not communicating to everyone else who's impacted, guess what's gonna happen at the end of the project? You're not gonna get it delivered right.
0: If I could have a dollar for every time I've been on a project where somebody said, we're not communicating change to everyone, <laughs> I'd have a I'd have a lot of money. Um, but again, I think that requirements traceability, and again, this is where if you've planned that artifact, you can have that do some of the communication for you. Um, is, you know if you if you invest in a requirement management tool and I by all means I am not telling you to go invest in it because you really have to have this capability down really well you need to know what you want to do and how you want to do it before I would ever suggest you you get a, um, a tool for it but you can build in some notifications you can have ways to share that information so that downstream people that need the, to know those changes uh, are not surprised uh, with 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 changes at the last minute. So that's a great one. Um, do you typically use a questionnaire to gather requirements to build the plan? A that's a good
1: question. Um, yeah. When I build a plan, a requirements plan, um, I've never actually used a questionnaire. Um, I'm not sure if you had a tremendous number of stakeholders, maybe you could do that. Um, but in practice, working in corporate environments, um, it's always been, you know, three to five executives, um, starting working through understanding, you know, what their needs are. Um, so I can figure out how I'm going to go about and build the plan. I don't know if that answers the question though.
0: I think it's an interesting question. And I think it, it depends, um, because I think about the fact that most of my career has been spent with packaged products, um, in a particular industry. So, when I've created a business analysis plan in the past, while I didn't use a questionnaire, I did, I, I did know where things could go wrong later on. And so I could bring that experience into the planning. Um, but we also, I think it's important early to talk with your stakeholders, the teams that you're gonna be working with about how you want to uh, document, share, change requirements so that you can come to some understandings about um, any obstacles. Uh, so here's a great one. Are you going to use offshore staff? Are you going to use contractors who might you know, who might be coming in with their own set of templates? You want to talk about that really early because that can inform your business analysis planning. Um, And so I would say, maybe not a questionnaire, but get all the the people together that are gonna do the work and are impacted by the work and put your plan together based on that. How about that for an answer? That sounds good. (laughs) All right. To what extent can we use JIRA for requirements traceability? Oh, that's a good question. That Um, is a good question. It,
1: you can use a lot of different tools for traceability. Um, if you're using JIRA, for example, you put your requirement in and it's got a ticket number, then you do a, maybe have subtasks related to it to maybe deal with the solution components. Um, it is a tool um, that you can use. Uh, I've used Excel. I've used Word. Um, I've worked at an organization that had a requirements management tool, which was very challenging to trace things. Um, but it was an enterprise effort to try and make sure all requirements were in a library. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Susan?
0: I have used, I have att- let me say it this way, I've attempted to use JIRA for requirements traceability. Um, it, it's really a work management tool, so it's really good at Um, you know, uh, taking a story or uh, an item, I think they call it an item, and then breaking it down. And that is one level of traceability. Um, But what it doesn't necessarily do is it doesn't give you the full scope. So from the business requirement all the way to the test case, um, I think there are probably some add-ons that you can, you can use, but what, I think what we ended up doing was building a very light traceability matrix in Confluence actually, which is another Atlassian tool. And we could, um, we could pull in JIRA stories and I could connect to things. So I could create some relationships in another tool so that I could go back and forth. It was not awesome. Honestly, it wasn't awesome. And we ended up really moving to a no-code platform uh, in order to trace it better. But but you can do it. Again, It just work with your team and see what the team wants to do. <laughs> I see a uh, question here for
1: you, Susan. In an <laughs> Agile world, how do you see a, the traceability matrix?
0: Um, I I see it as... Um, uh, let me see when I've used it in the past. So let me just go. Uh, let me go tactical first. So when I've used it in the past, I've used um, an Excel version, pulling in the stories and then just linking in to other, you know, whether it's my requirement specs, the test cases or any of that. Again, I be- and so now I'll go a little more strategic. I can't tell you the number of times on agile projects I've been on where I've been asked, are we done with this sprint? Are we done with this feature? Are we done with this whatever? And while I could probably take a couple of hours and go look at all of these things and see if they were all done and, and you know tied together, it was far more useful to just spend a little bit of time as I went along to try to put these things together so that if I was missing any connections or I was missing any updates that became the thing that I could go ask questions about and it always led to really great conversations so I say do it um, again don't let them tell you there's no documentation there's totally documentation and maybe the selling point is hey IT manager that thinks we don't need a requirement traceability matrix If I could answer the question for you of, are we done yet, and be able to take a feature all the way through, talk in features, right, don't talk in stories, Um, would that be valuable to you? Because if the answer is yes, then I've got to be able to tie all these things together, and they may be in different systems. You won't be able to get that just from JIRA or just from your test case tool. Somebody needs to put that together. I think I can make that a part of what we do, and I think it'll be valuable. So there you go. That's my answer.
1: Yeah, and let me just build upon that. Are we done yet? So done is delivering value, mm-hmm. but sometimes in our roles, um, there's something called change management,
0: mm-hmm. and a change
1: management skill set is something that is unique for business analysis, and is what's on our topic for the next conversation we have in two weeks. Um, so join us for that topic, and uh, and we'll chat about that. We've got a few more other things in the works, right?
0: We do. Um- Tomorrow. So you remember a couple of weeks ago we had um, we had Isabel on. She is our certifications program manager and she was talking about online proctoring. We get a lot of questions about it because all of our certifications are proctored online. It was so popular. We're going to do a full-hour webinar with a couple of guests uh, to talk about online proctoring. So that's tomorrow. I think it's at noon. Um, My guess is somebody will drop a link in so you can join us because it's it's open to the public, Um, and that'll be a good one. Let's see what else. We'll also
1: drop a link to the recording of the previous LinkedIn Live session that we've done.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's. um, I know you and I have talked about our online proctoring stories, so this will be a good one. to come yeah. and ask a bunch of questions. Let's see. We do have one more question. Maybe maybe we'll wrap up on this one. Can you use the requirements traceability matrix to manage scope totally? Um, that's my answer. <laughs> You can totally do that. Um, and we were talking about this at the beginning of this as a, a friend of the project manager. I mean, this is a tool that benefits your project manager as well. In fact, um, I probably haven't talked about it here, but really I've I've probably spent more of my career working in project management offices, working with project managers on the business side. So that's why I sound a little bit more project managey about some of these things. Um, But I do think that can help to manage scope um, because, you know, you can make sure that as as requirements are being added, are you connecting them to the original reason why you were creating this thing? And if you're finding that you've got requirements that are not connecting to scope items, you potentially have some scope creep.
1: Well, I just learned something new. I can now describe Susan as, oh, she's so project managing. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know, I was gonna I was gonna give this analogy. You know how when you're watching those viral videos and like, you know, cats that were raised by chickens? That's kind of me as a business analyst. I was a cat raised by the project managers, you know, like that. So, that's why <laughs> that's why I sound a little I get a little in the weeds with project management <laughs> stuff um let's see hey we do have one more and we have two minutes how do you establish a scope baseline using uh, customizable software oh my goodness i almost think that we should do a commercial off the shelf thing so i you can just watch me for 30 minutes geek out about this stuff yeah, for sure. um but um so one of the things that i think again this is my experience it managers sometimes forget when we're doing. Uh, commercial off-the-shelf products. I am not building anything. I don't have to worry about the, the tool. You know, if it's an insurance tool, right? If it's a policy processing system, I don't have to worry about building that. What I've got to do is I've got to understand what p- insurance product am I trying to build in there, and that has a a set of components to it. So an insurance product would have would have documents like forms, it would have data, um, it would have rules. And so I've got to work with my business stakeholders to understand what are the components that would make up a basic product, insurance product, so that I can put it into this system. And so once you start to build that and put that in your requirements matrix, you then start to identify these are the core set of features um, that I'm offering. And then at some point, I've then got to. Um, I've then got to baseline that. Subsequent changes to that are either going to be changes to those things because we, we, we made a different decision or we didn't get it right the first time, or they may start to add on additional features because your platform offers some cool functionality they want to take advantage of. That's where that change management comes in. I'm not sure if I've, um, if I've, uh, if I've answered that question, but maybe... Um, commercial off the shelf, maybe that's a thing that we talk about in the future because I do think requirements for those kinds of things are a little bit different.
1: Okay. Yep. Let's put that on our list. So next two weeks is change management and we'll talk about some techniques there. Uh, Again, take lots of questions. Um, So Susan, um, I guess we'll wrap it up here.
0: This is the end of our live session, but if you've got questions, you can send us an email at live at iiba.org or leave us a voice message and we'll answer your question at one of our upcoming broadcasts. Join us.